Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast. We're previewing the Monaco Grand Prix today. Thank you ever so much for joining. My name's Ben Hocking, Harry Eid and Sam Sage alongside. Unfortunately, we are broadcasting from cold, windy and wet United Kingdom rather than Monaco. We, we couldn't get there in the end. There's always next year, right? Yeah, I mean, if again, if you're listening and you've got the money, we won't just take Monaco, any race across the entire calendar. If you can finance it for three idiots then um, we're all for it. Let's go. Legitimate, please. I don't want any doggy dealings. Yeah, I mean, uh, we appreciate the uh, the Twitter account that had four followers that offered to take us to Monaco, but you can understand why we didn't take you up on that offer. Um, yeah, you have four followers on Twitter. so uh... Just for clarity, everyone, uh, we did do our, our research. We checked their website link in their Twitter bio. They don't even own that. It's not a real domain. So um, if you want expertise on how to not get conned or scammed, come to us. We know what we're talking about. Sorry, Ben. The good news is, no, that's all right. We will be going to the next Grand Prix. We've only just had to put a down payment of 100 grand because of this uh, this prince. Um, So, you know, it's all going to be sorted by him and we're going to go to the next (laughs) Grand Prix. All all is going to be fine. Oh, on God. a potentially more serious note, before we get going into the bulk of today's show, just a very quick mention, uh, podcast news, uh, that we have joined the Sports Social Podcast Network, um, which is a really exciting next step for the podcast generally. It's the first podcast since that's uh, that's been finalised. Um, Sports Social, what, the first dedicated uh, sports podcast network in the United Kingdom. There are already some great podcasts on there. Um, so it's a real a real privilege to be alongside them. And we're excited to see what uh, what the relationship can bring. And uh, if you are worried at all that this will change our stupid analogies and immaturity, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. It's all going to be OK. We're continuing as we always will. Um, but we'll get into uh, we'll get into some actual Formula One topics. Uh, 
Lando Norris, he's signed a multi-year deal uh, since our last podcast, so we'll be responding to that one. Zach Brown has had some interesting comments about uh, Verstappen and Hamilton's rivalry and how long it's been since Hamilton was last put in a rivalry like this. And we're going to play pump the brakes later on. But first of all, the Monaco preview and a uh, slightly strange circumstance in that we're recording this a day later than usual. Apologies for that. Um, and of course, with Monaco, uh, it's practice day on Thursday rather than Friday. So for the first time, perhaps ever on a preview podcast, we actually have some racing to go on from the weekend that we're talking about. Um, a very interesting free practice one and two. Perez fastest in first practice. Leclerc fastest in second practice. If anyone had those two names written down, fair play to you. Um, the, I think the biggest question comes from <laughs> FP2, though. Sam, I'll start with you. Do you think that Ferrari's pace here, where they got 1-2 in FP2, is there any chance that this is actually going to carry through to qualifying in the race? Oh, wouldn't it be glorious to suddenly see a Ferrari 1-2, especially at Monaco? Wouldn't that be almost historic? I, I'm quite enjoying that after what we've been going through over the past few races. Um, do I think it will carry through? Well, let's look at the trends here. Uh, how seriously do we take uh, pre-season testing, for example. Do we decide form on that? Not really. Um, what about the other practice sessions on every other Grand Prix? Do we take, you know, Lando Norris suddenly being polled in a session? Or sort of pole, top, whatever, fastest? Mm, not really. You know, you, t- you like to think that he'll be in the top six or seven, but chances are you don't sit there and think, right, Lando Norris is now the favourite for pole position because he was in first in free practice. Unfortunately, it does not translate all that often. It is race form that matters. It is qualifying form that matters. You never know what the other teams were doing. Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen, they might have all been doing long runs. They might have all been doing heavy fuel. They might have all been tweaking aerodynamics. Ferrari could have been going out on their, their quick run at the time everyone else wasn't. I'm excited. I really hope that the cases they are actually fast, but I'm not going to sit there and, and send all my hopes on one free practice session. Apart from God Leclerc, of course, who, as he was saying before the podcast, has... Uh, decided to walk out there after one blindfolded and not bothering. And then FB2, he's decided to go out there, wave hello to all the fans in the same lap, manage to put it on the fastest spot, which is quite impressive. So if he could do that on qualifying, I doff my cap to him. Doff's made it back, everyone. There you go. Found that again. Um, seriously, though. Uh, five minutes in. Classic. Five minutes. Doff is back. I'm, I'm not, I'm not um, overwhelmed, overjoyed. I'm, I'm going to kind of hold my cards to my chest and uh, wait to see what Saturday brings pragmatic sam that's that's a very lesser spotted sam he's interesting to see harry (laughs) harry do you think there's any chance that ferrari carry this form through to the weekend um i i mean first of all i didn't you know we we we, uh we have been on the, the front line of criticism for ferrari and how bad they've been lately but was very nice to see them there. Nice to see the red cars involved again. Didn't really appreciate how much I missed it. Um, do I think they're going to be there by the end of the race on Sunday? I don't know. I don't know whether they'll be at one-two. I think they're definitely going to be in the mix. And I think other teams kind of were wary of this before Monaco. They were saying that they thought Ferrari would be strong because it's got some good mechanical grip, um, which you need in Monaco. Uh, so I think they're going to be there or thereabouts. But I, you know. I'd be a bold, bold person to to say that it's not going to be either Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas, Perez who who fell out that 
first four rows. I'm not going to say Ferrari won't be involved in that, but um, yeah, compared to where Ferrari have been for the past year and a bit, it'd be really bold to say that they are suddenly going to leap these uh, these two teams. Although after practice today, I think both Mercedes and Red Bull were pretty surprised by what what Ferrari had done. So maybe maybe it is maybe it is uh, going to happen. But um, yeah, I mean, as Sam mentioned, Leclerc was pretty impressive considering he lost all of uh, FP1 basically through no fault of his own, and he still came out in FP2 and, and beat Sainz, who's who's also looking very handy. I got to say, um, yeah, it's great. Love it. This is it. Could be a three-team battle for pole position. Quali's going to be. Oh, you've done it now. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Hamilton's going to put it on pole by half a second, Harry. Sorry, sorry, guys. I mean, I haven't predicted it. I said it could be. Yeah, but if if you say it could be, that's it's not right, going to happen predict, now. Predict Hamilton half a second on pole, Harry, or else you're off. You're off the team. <laughs> <laughs> you're banned. Okay, fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I you know I, I think it's going to be it could be potentially interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, do you read too much into into FP two? I mean, you know, growing up, m- my mum installed two things really taught me two things. Firstly, treat others how you want to be treated, and secondly, don't read too much into FP two times. Um, <laughs> and I wondered where that was going. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm afraid, though. I'm going to disappoint you, Mum. I'm going to go against you here because I I believe the hype. Sorry, Mum. I, I believe the hype here. I, I think Ferrari are onto something. He's on the hype train. No, I'm not. I'm not necessarily <laughs> saying conductor of the hype train. It, it's the place for trains. Yana truly did win in Monaco after all. Um, but you know, I. I'm not necessarily saying that they will go ahead and win this race or they will get a one, two or they will get pole position, but will they be in the mix? Yeah, I think they will be. Uh, I, I figured they would be strong this weekend. And in, in that I thought they were comfortably going to be the third best team. I thought they were going to elevate themselves ahead of McLaren and the chasing pack on this race weekend specifically. Uh, but I didn't think that they would be this good. Um, and, you know, yes, you have to look at this as only free practice, but, but ultimately Monaco, we know it's pretty difficult to overtake at Monaco, which gives Charles Leclerc particular, also size, but mainly Charles Leclerc. Uh, it's a very good situation for him because it's a difficult track to overtake and he ha- just happens to be a god when it comes to qualifying. Um, so if he can stick it on the, <laughs> one of the front few rows and w- one of the weaknesses of the Ferrari to this point is is tyre wear generally, they're not as strong at the end of stints as they are at the beginning of stints comparative to the rest of the teams. Even if that's the case, Monaco's it's generally all right to be that way because where are you going to overtake unless you make a, a, a pretty awful error or you get beaten in the pit stops? It's hard to get past another car. So if Charles Leclerc can have one of his typical qualifying sessions, keep one or two faster cars behind him, potentially he could, he could be on for a really good result. Um, that Ferrari does seem to be taking out the power unit because the power unit seems to be much, much better than last year, but still seems to be one step behind a few of the other teams at this point. But on a circuit like Monaco, where that isn't really much of a factor, it seems as if the car that Ferrari have underneath them is really is really shining. Um, and we're actually seeing that as well, potentially with Alfa Romeo as well, in that Alfa Romeo have been in and around the top 10 
in both of the first two practice sessions as well. Of course, they also run the Ferrari power unit. Um, it's indicating perhaps that on these types of circuits, that could be where the likes of Ferrari thrive this year. So I'm, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say Charles Leclerc is going to win his home race because the his Monaco curse will strike at some point. But I will say that they are in with a fighting chance of, of being in that mix with with Red Bull and Mercedes. Interesting to see. I mean, moving on to Mercedes and Red Bull, of course, Hamilton has the advantage in the championship, having won three of the first four races. It's still fairly early in the season, bearing in mind we're getting through 1,700 races this year. But Sam, do you think that <laughs> Max Verstappen needs a victory here just to stop the you know, the two-race win streak of Hamilton? Yeah, 100%. The first three races were very much ping and then pong. You know, it was very much back and forth. And then, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and then in Hamilton that order. kind of, you know, decided that... <laughs> in that order, it's like a pong and then ping. Decided that, you know, I don't want to play... Pong a different game entirely. We'll, yeah, we'll move on quickly, folks. Um, <laughs> sorry, that I don't want to play ping pong with you anymore, Max. I'm going to go play on my own against a wall. Um, and I'm always the winner that way. Uh, yeah, no, the staff on 100%. Don't, don't call, don't call Valtteri a wall. That's not fair. <laughs> oh, sorry, Valtteri. Uh, it gets worse for you every week. I thought, look, they've even taken me on in the team. They've given me this because they're like, right, Sam, you're coming down on Mercedes now. Um, back Sam, to the Sam point. is wearing a Mercedes top for audio yeah. listeners. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Back to the point at hand. Yes, Max needs to beat Hamilton here because otherwise we end up facing a possible option where we go from having a 14-point gap to a 21-point gap. I mean, Ben, you, you did the calculation over the week, I think. How many times has Hamilton DNF through reliability since the hybrid year? Was it was it four times or six times, something like that, in reliability? It, yeah, it was ridiculous, whatever it was, yeah. It's like once every once every 18 months, he has a reliability DF. So unless Hamilton puts it in the wall at Monaco, which doesn't happen often, folks, Verstappen needs to bring his A game here and Verstappen needs to deliver. Whereas Verstappen has put it in the wall at Monaco relatively recently. Verstappen has not had a flawless time here at Monaco either. So he needs to turn up. He needs to make sure that he gets hold of those extra points and keeps that championship alive because we know that Hamilton is having the best start to a season he's ever had. That's scary. Well, he's already won seven flipping titles previously. So the fact that he's already doing better than normally is terrifying because we know Hamilton usually eases himself into a championship. So if this continues that momentum, I'm scared of Verstappen. He needs to get those points in while he can and take advantage of tracks that Red Bull usually are big favourites at, Monaco being one of them. And I think with Verstappen's drivability, with how Red Bull are performing, he could be with a real shot of it. But yes, he needs to win. Harry, again, looking at this as still very early in the season, so I'm, I'm not suggesting that it's a must win, but in terms of momentum, do you think this is a really important one for Verstappen? Yeah, I think um, I don't think you're right by saying it's not a must win. I think with Monaco as well, it's 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 so much easier to throw away points than it is necessary to, I guess, gain them. Um, so I think, you know, especially with Ferrari that could be in the mix as well, um, I think just beating Hamilton will be his main aim. I mean, his main aim is obviously to win, but I think in terms of championship, I think beating, just making sure he outscores Hamilton this weekend keeps it clean um, because, yeah, like I said, it's just so easy to to get tangled up with a barrier with another car um, in Monaco that you could easily drop 
a load of points and it you know could you know could matter further down the line so um yeah it's uh, i think it's important that as sam says to to return the uh return the pong a lot of ping being thrown at him, so he's gonna it's <laughs> gonna return the serve of Hamilton. I think, um, yeah, I think it, that, that in that sense, it is important for for Max to to um, to at least outscore Lewis this weekend because as Sam said that is is terrifying that this is Hamilton's best start to a season. <laughs> like, yeah, that is a, that is a scary stat. So, um, yeah, I think Max just definitely needs to be in front of him, even if it's by a place. And it's not that many points. I think just in terms of momentum and, um, you know, even just the mental games, I think it would just be important for him to do that. So, um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tricky one for for Red Bull in general, I think, because I think they didn't necessarily factor in Ferrari to be quite so quick. Again, early days, they'll probably stuff it up in front on Saturday. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, I think. Yeah, this isn't one I want to call a must win just because, you know, if it was the fifth race of, of a 16 race season, fair enough. We're, we're supposed to be getting to 23 different races this year. So um, there's, there's such a long way to go that it's tough to say that anything at this point of the season is must win. Uh, having said that, if we're looking back at the last time that Hamilton had a serious contender for his championship, and that would be Sebastian Vettel in the 17 and 18 we saw that Vettel was competitive with Hamilton throughout probably the first two thirds of the season before Hamilton pulled away at the end of the season and Vettel through mistakes of his own, but also Hamilton's brilliance couldn't keep up. If Hamilton still has that left in his locker towards the end of this season, Verstappen's going to need to at least be level or close to level uh, in order to compete with that. He can't let Hamilton get away at the beginning of the season because I don't see Hamilton's a great leader of a championship. He he very rarely gives you errors and gives you mistakes in which you can fight it back. You know, as soon as you lose the initiative, it's really difficult to maintain it again with, with Hamilton. So I think Verstappen does really need a result here, not only from a momentum perspective, but also from the car's perspective. I, I think Red Bull are, are primed to win at a circuit like Monaco, really. Um, they've been strong there over the years. So, you know, if this is a circuit where Red Bull end up being slightly better than the Mercedes, then he has to take advantage of that. And he can't afford to do what he did a few years ago when Daniel Ricciardo went uh, and won this race uh, in some part because Verstappen messed up qualifying. So he, he really can't he really can't allow for anything like that to happen, really. Um and just to say, with with it being this early in the season as well, it's actually it's very interesting what it does to like the numbers depending on who wins. So say say Hamilton wins this race and Verstappen second, that means Hamilton has won four of the first five races of the season. That's that's incredibly comprehensive. Like that's uh you know that's conclusive four out of five. If Verstappen wins this race, then Hamilton's won three of the first five. Which you know at that point three versus two, it's actually very close and there's only one in it so it's actually you know depending on which way it goes it, it's almost brings two different narratives into the equation uh depending on which one which one wins so you know i, I think verstappen does he, do, he doesn't necessarily need a win but it would be very very handy at this circuit and with that let's get on to some bowl predictions sam what have you got Sorry, I just look see how I look bold, and it is a fantastic look for me. Um, bold predictions. It's Monaco. Uh, 
we're we're going we're going mighty bold. So ready, script seatbelt song, tin hats. We'll get up here for a minute. Get your pads out because we've got to follow a bit of a story here, folks. Okay. Oh, good lord. There will be less than fourteen finishes. Fourteen, sorry, sixteen finishes. Sorry, sixteen finishes. Sixteen or fewer. Yes. Because okay. of this, there will be at least three safety cars. <laughs> yeah. We will also have one red flag. And the top five finishes will all come from different teams. Good lord, that is a good race. <laughs> I'm praying. I'm praying for something because, sorry, Monaco, you are dull. Wow. For a minute, I thought you were like ordering your fish and chips. There, it's like, <laughs> oh, we'll have a, we'll have sixteen or fewer finishes. We'll, we'll have three safety cars. Oh, throw in a red flag as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, just salt vinegar on the top as well, and some mushy peas. Oh, where, where curry you... sauce? You've gone crazy there. With the oh, of course sauce. you like curry yeah. sauce. <laughs> well, done that. Mushy peas is, is great. You've ruined it there. Curry sauce all over your brunch bar. <laughs> Uh, folks, <laughs> folks listening, tweet us or over on YouTube. Curry sauce and mushy peas. What do you prefer with your fish and chips? Let's know. Ah, day off. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's a that's. I was going to say it's a fairly bold prediction, but I don't think that's doing it justice. That is a very bold prediction. Spicy. And if if it comes, I hope you're right on this one, Sam. I really hope you're right. Hashtag Harry, what have you got? Prediction. <laughs> um, I. I'm going to um, regurgitate, regenerate, not sure what the right word is here, a previous bold prediction that I've already had this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it again. I'm going to say the top 15 is going to be covered by a second in Q... I'll say Q, Q1 this time because <laughs> Q, Q2 didn't work. So I'll go for Q1, top 15, covered by a second. It's going to happen. Love that. I thought for a moment you were going to say that the top 15 will be covered by a second in Q3, in which case that is very, very bold. Um, but yeah, I'm interested. I, again, I hope you're right, because that would potentially lead to an exciting race. Um, you know how beautiful that McLaren livery is going yeah. into it's, yeah. it's a beautiful livery. Oh, yeah. I love it. And it's so sad because it's going to score no points at all. And because I figured you were going to go quite bold with this, um, I, I've also added an extra bold element to this, uh, and that is that uh, Sergio Perez will not score any points either. So oh. those those three drivers, the two McLarens and Perez, no points between them. Oh dear. Folks, just let yes. me heard now. Oh bing, 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 bing. This is Late Breaking's most bold prediction series, I feel like, for a long time. And we like to bring the bold. We've, fil- We've absolutely Phil Mitchell this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think there is a theory here that the potentially worse race we get, um, the more we compensate for it in bold predictions. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see what poll one two three can bring up sam what have you got poll will go to maxi verstapp uh first place will be maxi verstapp second place will be lewis hamilton third place will be charles leclerc 
Fourth place will be Lando Norris. Fifth place will be Pierre Gasly. That's right. I've done the whole top five, folks. Oh, yeah. I'll poll one, two, three. Stan's done a poll one, two, <laughs> three, four, five. <laughs> Since when has that been a thing? Top, top five, all different drivers, all different teams. <laughs> okay, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, what have you got, Harry? Uh, for pole position, I've got Charles Leclerc. But Verstappen's going to win the race. Hamilton's going to come second, and Leclerc's going to come third because Ferrari and strategy are a potent combination. <laughs> well, it is if they only salvage third place. I think that'd be a win for them. <laughs> oh dear! Uh, I just, uh, I just think Charles Leclerc is good in qualifying. You know, he, he's normally getting up to fourth place or something like that. If he does that again with the current pace they have, that's pole, surely. Got to be pole. Well, yeah, it will be pole, and then they'll put him on plan Q plus eight <laughs> laps, and then it will all go to nothing. But um, I, I'm all aboard the Leclerc train, not in terms of qualifying, because I've got Verstappen on pole, uh, and I've also got Verstappen taking the win. But I do have Charles Leclerc finishing second place uh, with oh, Lewis Hamilton rounding out the podium. Christ on a bike, what is happening to this channel today? <laughs> I've got to say, Sam, I have not heard the phrase, oh my giddy aunt, in a long time. And it is underrated as hell. It is. I think, I think my, my, you know, my grandma might have said that five years ago to me. But apart from that, I've not heard it, I've not heard it since. <laughs> Tell you how old I am, folks. I think we'll move on from all that boldness because that was a bit crazy. Uh, We'll go on to Lando Norris. So Lando Norris has signed a multi-year deal with McLaren, meaning both Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo at the McLaren team are signed to multi-year deals now. Uh, An interesting one, of course, Lando Norris, still very young, has been at McLaren for a couple of years, committed a few more years now. Sam, do you think that this is a good thing for both parties? For McLaren, let's start off with McLaren. 100%, this is a great thing. To lock down a young driver that is clearly invested, he's talented, he brings a lot of good fortune, a lot of sponsorship, a lot of interest from the crowd and the fans. Brilliant, brilliant acquisition for McLaren to have both Daniel and Lando at the team who are seen as two of the most upbeat, enjoyable characters, also fiercest drivers on the grid currently. That is fantastic for any marketing aspect that you want to have, that will drawing sponsors. You know you're going to get pushed for results. The guys are great. I think that's brilliant. For Lando Norris on the other side, yes, it's fantastic that we're going to see that talented young man in a good team for a, a, a good long time. I'm all for that. On the other side, what else could Lando do? Let's be realistic. As much as I don't like to be realistic, and I like to be outrageous. Where could Lando feasibly go? Uh, he'll never go to Red Bull. They've got too many youth drivers lined up, and they like to recycle things too many times. But Lando will never just commit to that, I don't think. Ferrari? No, can't see it happening. When was the last time they put a British person in their car? We all know the answer. I don't need to say it. And then third, Mercedes. Realistically, those are going to be the three top teams again for the next few years, you'd have to assume. Mercedes, Hamilton will be there for another couple of years. We know he's pushing for a new deal. Rumour has it. Uh, Adele, thank you. Um, (laughs) That's an old one. Um, We've also got, obviously, Bottas wants to stay there. Russell is available. Um, 
chances are that Norris, if he were to go to McLaren, uh, Mercedes, sorry, is at least fifth or sixth pick, which is amazing because he's so good, but he's at least fifth or sixth pick. You've got people like Ocon who are apparently in the running. We all know that I'm right. Pierre Gasly could be in the running. Uh, Pascal Verlein's name still gets brought up. You know, there's also young drivers coming through the junior ranks are also of interest to Mercedes. So this feels like a very sensible decision. There's nothing breaking that contract later on down the line. He can still get bought out of it as he goes forward. But this just makes sense for both sides for security purposes. I like it. I think it's good. Well, what do you reckon, Harry? Do you think that they're both in a good position as a result of this? Uh, I think they're both in a good position. I think McLaren uh, are in a slightly better one. I think this is a this is a steal for McLaren, to be honest. Well, not a steal. They're paying for it, obviously. Um, but it's uh, it's good that they've they've locked him down for. Uh, we don't know the how, the length of it. It's just multi year, right? It's not a specified. No, I've I've seen a few rumors as to how many years it is, but I don't think there's been anything concrete about it. Twenty seven. <laughs> yeah, twenty seven no. years or twenty twenty seven. No, 20, yeah, twenty seven years from twenty twenty seven. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, look, I think it's a really good, uh, good uh, spot by by McLaren to, to get him nailed down, especially considering how well he's been performing this year. I think it's clear to you know Zach and Andreas that other teams might start to be looking at, at, at Norris as a potential. Um, so, yeah, from that side, I think it's good for Norris. I think it's, it's also a good decision. I didn't see anything wrong with being with McLaren for a few more years, especially considering we have the rule changes next year. Um, if it doesn't work out, he's not locked down for 27 years, so I think he'll be okay. Um, he might be locked down for, what, three? I'm sure there's a clause in there somewhere as well. So, um, yeah, if he does get picked up by another team in a couple of years' time, I think it's no detriment really to his career, especially considering the the upward you know trajectory that McLaren are currently on. I don't think it's a bad decision at all. So, um. Yeah, I think it's sensible from all parties. As Sam said, where else would he really go that's any better? Definitely not Ferrari. Mercedes are probably the the most potential, but they're not going to pick. I mean, George Russell. What? Yeah, they're not going to pick him over George Russell. I just don't see it happening at all. So, um, yeah, for, I think it's a good decision all round. Sensible and yeah, I think Norris and McLaren could. Why? Why can't McLaren end up back at the top? I don't see why not. So. Norris and McLaren at the top would be a lovely little story, I think. This has worked out very well for McLaren because not only are they taking a driver who has, over the last couple of years, been good, but especially this season, he's been excellent. Not only are they taking a driver who is really showing what he's capable of, it's easy to forget because he's been in F1 for a couple of years and because of how good he is already, but he's only 21 years old. Like He is going to get better. He's going to get better over the next few years. So not only are they signing a, a guy who's already very talented, they are they're almost banking on his potential as well, and I think that's a good thing. You know, he he is going to be uh, alongside Daniel Ricciardo. That is a strong lineup for a couple of years. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this about McLaren actually: what I think that they've done a, a few years ago, let's say five years ago, this was a this was a bad team in that they were inefficient. They were constantly getting beaten by teams that were spending much less than them, uh, and they, they they were noisy. There, there was a lot of there was a lot of drama and not a lot of substance on track. And 
you know, from that point in time, there was the Honda relationship that they, that, you know, the Honda engine at that point wasn't very good, but they, they tended to blame a lot of their struggles on Honda. And it was only until they left that they realized actually there's much more wrong with this team than just what was in the back of the car. The way that they've evolved and transitioned from that point to now, I think this multi-year deal is actually evidence of how far they've come. You know, they are much closer to the top of F1 now than they were a few years ago. Yeah. And just look at, say, really, all the last three years, Norris and Signs, when they were announced to be re-signing for a second season, that was done very, very early in the year. They wrapped that up early. Same again last year. They got Daniel Ricciardo. It was a change in lineup, but again, it was agreed very early. And here again, they haven't entertained silly season whatsoever in the last three years. And it just, for me, shows exactly where the team is now compared to where they were. A few years ago, That they they seem to be at the centre of every piece of drama in F1. And now, for their own benefit, I don't think they are. They're, they're completely removing themselves from this silly season situation. They're locking their drivers up early. They're giving them the security that they need in order to do a good job and to not focus on anything else other than driving as fast as they damn well can. And it just, that's going to increase performance. So I think it's really smart what McLaren have done here. Um, and he's such a, he's, he's a great driver. So I think McLaren have definitely won this deal. I don't think Lando Norris has lost necessarily, but what I think this does as well for McLaren is it's a vote of confidence almost because with the new rule changes coming in next year, it might have been quite easy for Lando Norris to advocate for a a, a one-year extension and then figure out what the lay of the land is at the end of 2022. This is a vote of confidence that actually I trust this team is going to get it right for the new regulations before I even see what's going to happen and, and how well they perform. So that's a that's a green tick next to McLaren, as far as I'm concerned. And Lando Norris said like he intends to win races with this team. And we, we all know the culture of F1 is to downplay your car and downplay, you know, and bring everyone else up so if you do pull out a good result it makes you look even better so if he's coming out here saying that it's his intention to win races i think he i think he believes it and I, i'm excited to see what happens they are thanks to the organizational changes that team is so much better and in a relatively short amount of time as well uh we're staying with mclaren for our next topic because Zach Brown had some interesting words about the Hamilton and Verstappen rivalry saying that it's the first time that Hamilton has been pushed by a rival in this way since Nico Rosberg retired at the end of 2016. Now of course a few years have elapsed since then so Sam do you agree with what Zach Brown is saying here? No! I think that is so insulting to Sebastian Vettel. I know that Vettel was... (laughs) past his peak you know he's, he's definitely not the the caliber driver that won four titles in a row but bloody hell Sebastian Vettel put in some absolutely brilliant performances over 17 and 18 and Hamilton had to fight continually throughout both of those seasons hard for a long time to make sure that he beat Vettel and Ferrari also look at the difference between Hamilton and Bottas in those seasons as well 
Bottas was never the rival, which showed the car was not so dominant that the Mercedes couldn't be beaten. Because the Mercedes of Bottas was beaten on multiple years by multiple different drivers. Verstappen has finished in front of Bottas before. Vettel has finished in front of Bottas before. You know, there, there are numbers of drivers that have gone in front of the other Mercedes driver. Hamilton, for the last God knows how long I'm losing count, has been ahead of all that. And Vettel, Sebastian Vettel, considered one of the greatest of all time, is, is up there on all the charts of all the stats, can still do well wheel to wheel. Push him hard. I think I'm a big fan of Zach Brown. I think this is a really poor way of judging uh, a certain element. And I think he just wants to get himself a little bit in the headlines. I think he wants to downplay just how good Lewis Hamilton has been. And just how good Sebastian Vettel was. And this is a silly comment to me. And I don't really know what... So that McLaren doesn't like Lewis Hamilton anymore. Because now that Norris is making these dodgy comments about him. And now Zach Brown is making these comments about him. It's just a bit silly. You're just downplaying absolute greatness at the top of Formula 1 at the moment. And I'm not a fan of it. Because I think he has been pushed. And I think he's he's triumphed. And I think you should appreciate that. Harry, what do you think? Do you think that Zach Brown has a point here or not? No, no I mean, not particularly. Uh, I think, you know, if you look at the last two years, nothing ever in F1 is ever easy. So I think using the word easy is a, uh, a troublesome a troublesome way of describing anything. Um but if you look at the last two years against Bottas, you would you could say he's had an easier run of it. But not since Rosberg. Sounds right. Seventeen and eighteen. No matter how you look at Ferrari slash Vettel's campaigns in those years and how they didn't you know didn't last for the entirety of the season, they still gave Hamilton a run for his money on occasions, especially in the early parts of the year. I mean, eighteen especially, they were leading the championship up until the midpoint. So yeah, I don't I don't. Don't see the don't see what Zach Zach's point it is here. Maybe it is because it was never a full season of Ferrari Ferrari Challenge. It kind of you know petered off towards the end. But we could say the same for Rosberg. Rosberg in you know fifteen didn't really challenge all the way. It was only in sixteen he finally got it all together. So um yeah, odd odd comment. I don't know the context to to why he said that, but um yeah, it's not, it's unfair to say that that for sure. As I said, maybe the last two years you could make an argument for it, but again, I don't. I don't believe that's you know Hamilton still has to work for it every every race. It's unfair to say it's easy for him. So um, yeah, not sure. Not sure what you what you run about there, Zach, mate. Yeah, I mean everyone's entitled to their own opinions on this, and and maybe he thinks that he maybe he thinks that Hamilton always had the measure on Vettel even if the points didn't show it and maybe he doesn't have that same confidence in Hamilton here with Verstappen I'm not too sure maybe he just has uh some form of memory loss and he just doesn't remember the Vettel years or something but (laughs) I you know Sebastian and who (laughs) exactly um I can't agree with with Zach Brown here I don't think he's right with this um you know, you say, Harry, you know, maybe he, he looked at the Ferrari years and see that he, you know, Vettel didn't quite have enough to take that bite through to for the whole season, which is which is true. But then if that's the case, why is he making this comment about Verstappen, who has taken it to Hamilton for a grand total of four races? You know, it's even he, yeah. he would still have to go another 10 races or so to get to the point where Vettel started to drop off in 2018. So I think this is a... This is a wildly premature comment from a Verstappen-Hamilton point of view. And it's also just a complete erasure of um, of history from 2017 and 2018. What, what's interesting here is that 
Rosberg retired in 2016. So this is the fifth year we've had since Rosberg retired. And after four races of the season, this is Hamilton's second best start compared to, you know, the number of points between first and second. It's his second best of those five years. You know, if you were to look back, it's only 2020 when after four races, he led by 30 points that he's actually had a better start in the year. If you were to go back to, say, 2017, after four races, Vettel had the lead in the championship by 13 points. Again, if you go back to 2018, after four races, Hamilton did hold the lead, but it was only by four points. And 2019, Valtteri Bottas had the lead of the championship by one point after four races. So, you know, this, this Hamilton and Verstappen... This Verstappen and Hamilton rivalry to this point has been has been great this season. But it's also, in terms of points, the second best of the last five that, that Hamilton's had. Um I, I think this was I think this was crazy. You know, the, the 2018 season in particular, uh, I've I've been pretty critical of Vettel in the 2018 season, but in a weird sort of way, it's actually that criticism is a compliment because I I criticize the mistakes he made in 2018 quite a lot. But the only reason I do that is because if he didn't make those mistakes, he had the pace to win that championship. You know, he had it. If he didn't, if he cut out those errors, I think he probably had enough to at least take it to the distance, if not win that championship. So if I'm critical of that year, that's why. So, yeah, you know, Vettel two years in a row, partly because of his own errors, mainly in 18, partly because the car couldn't keep up in 17. But he took it a lot further than Verstappen has taken this year so far. I, I, you know, I think Verstappen will probably take this just as far as Vettel did in those years. Maybe, maybe further. I'm not sure. But at the same time, would it be a massive surprise if what happens here between Verstappen and Hamilton is exactly the same thing that happened between uh, Vettel and Hamilton? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked by that. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know whether he's playing mind games. I. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he's either forgotten Sebastian Vettel exists or he has, you know, his own <laughs> viewpoint on this. But um, I don't think he's right, nonetheless. Poor Seb. Poor Seb. Give, give the man a give the man some respect. Let's move on to pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. And if you haven't seen Pump the Brakes before, we each give an opinion and it's usually a fairly bold one. And the other two of us have to decide whether we're actually onto something there. That's a pretty good opinion. You should keep going with that or whether you should stop Pump the Brakes. Uh, and in which case you get gunged by Dave Benson Phillips, a very British reference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on, Dave. No, not again. Not, not again, not again. All right, <laughs> Harry, what, what have you got? Uh, I and this is um, actually some. I, I've switched what around what this opinion was going to be, but I think F one is a worse place without the Monaco Grand Prix in it. Hmm. Stumped, ladies and gentlemen. They are stumped. So you're saying that F one is a F one is a worse place without the Monaco Grand Prix on the calendar. Yes. Sam, what do you think? 
I can't believe you've made this your statement. How do you, <laughs> how can you stand by this? I can't believe you've done this. I mean, I would like you to start the car with a handbrake on. I don't want you to go anywhere. There's no brakes that need to be pumped. You're not going, mate. You're going nowhere. I'll take the keys off you. Sorry. <laughs> Dave, you know that tidal wave of gunge? Yeah, you can let it go now. That is ridiculous. No, sorry, Harry. I completely disagree with you. We had a great season last time out. Morico has bought poor racing time and time and time again. When the new regs come in, I'm well up for trying it again. But this whole hybrid period, Monaco has been trash. So, no, it is not a worse place without it. I, I, I really don't want to come across as one of those people where, oh, I, d- I don't like the Monaco Grand Prix because there's not 100 million <laughs> overtakes every me. race. Which is, <laughs> which is Sam. Um, I, I, don't, I don't want to come across like that. At, at the side, I'm, I'm I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna I'm gonna say pump the brakes. I <sighs> you're the worst. Yes! <laughs> it's Gun not even gate. the standard of the racing. For it, it's partly the standard of, of the racing, but it, it's also just I don't know the, the glitz and the glamour of Monaco. It just doesn't quite quite do it for me, generally speaking. Um... <laughs> I just realised today that I'm watching practice. I was like, I, I missed it. Fair I did enough. miss it. Fair I did, and I didn't realise, and this is what I'm saying, I didn't realise last year when we didn't have it, I didn't think I realised I did miss it. And I, I was going to go with the other way around. Um, mm. But today I realised I do, I do miss it. And maybe that's because I'm a shallow person. <laughs> so this, isn't fair. this isn't therapy, so uh, we'll move on. We all know that I'm the shallow is. one of the group, okay? <laughs> We don't actually put these episodes online, Harry. We just do this for your, for your <laughs> yeah. well-being. It's a fake Spotify account. We're, we are both trained <laughs> therapists. Sam, if you're uh, a trained therapist, we as the world are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, everyone. Right. Dave Benson Phillips has got his first gunking in. Sam, you're going to add to that tally. Dave, prepare the gun for me, mate. Um, I think that if they had fired, if Red Bull had fired Christian Horner in 2016, Red Bull would have won one more championship by now. Uh, ooh, blimey. I think I'm going to say pump the brakes only because of the date. I think that would have been too, too, um, it's only, it's only three years after. I think there's potential reason to now. But not 2016. He, he, they, yeah, no. Sorry, but but I, I agree. I agree with the. Uh, I agree with the general sentiment of your. Of That's your, fine. Of your I'll argument. take that. Yeah. I'll take that. Dave, a small gunging. I like I light gun. Yeah, light <laughs> gunging for Sam. <laughs> I'm I'm actually gonna pretty much follow suit with what with what Harry said there. I, I'm gonna say pump the brakes, but I also don't think you're completely wrong in that I think you're on to, I think you're onto something but I wouldn't quite stretch that far um excuse me Dave so, you just get the, uh, the salt and pepper shaker just of gunge though you just get a little seasoning of gunge please thank you Dave
just a <laughs> just a slight seasoning. Um, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm also gonna focus on Monaco, not in quite the same positive light that Harry did. I'm afraid. My one is that the Monaco Grand Prix is the worst race in the Triple Crown. The re- Ooh, folks, that is I'm, tricky. I'm going to let you inside Sam's mind. Uh, I'm such oh, a no. moron that for a minute I had to work out what the other two races in the Triple Crown were. I've got them. <laughs> I'm aware of them. Don't worry. I have remembered. Is he Yeonam and it's then Korean Grand Prix? <laughs> And boot Buddha. And the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the three. Um, I, I, oh, I don't know. I because I would put Indy at the top, and I don't know whether I put Monaco second or Le Mans second. I'll, no, I'm going to say pump the brakes just because of what mine was. I say pump the brakes. Fair enough. Um, I agree in the sense that I would also put um, Indy 500 on the top of the Triple Crown. That is a stellar race, even with a potato being involved. It's bloody fantastic. Um, <laughs> folks, if you don't know the potato reference, you need to stick around for a bit longer. You will find out throughout the podcast season. Um, just watch NBC. I'll just watch NBC. You'll see one in a suit. Um, and then this is where the difficulty comes in from. I am not a fan of Monaco in its current standing. But, oh, I'm going to annoy so many people. I think Le Mans is really overhyped as a race in its current Ooh, standing dear. also. Because I think the... Ooh, no, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think LMP1 cars, as incredible as they are to watch and as amazing pieces of machinery they are, it's just boring having them at the front. They're, all the fun is with LMP2 and the GT3 cars and they don't get actually get shown as much. And... I love the concept, but also watching it is hard because I've got a life. I've got things I've got to do, I've got to sleep. And it's I, a whole day? Yeah, I've, I go to bed quite late anyway as a, an adult. I go about between 11 and 12 most nights. And then I'll sleep, on average, seven to eight hours. I've missed a lot. And I don't know what's going on. So because of that, Monaco's done in two hours. And even if it is boring, it's two hours. Whereas Le Mans, if that's boring... That's 24 hours, and I've had a nap in the middle. So, Ben, pump those mofo brakes. Gungit. We've gone gunge crazy today. It's a triple gunge. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Days on the great time. I, you know, I, I, I appreciate the, the opinion of my My feeling behind it is that even even if you do like the monaco grand prix i feel as if the 24 hour of Le Mans and the indy 500 are more I, I don't know what to call them like stellar events you know like these stand out they stand out in their own respective calendars whereas i don't necessarily think the monaco grand prix is any more prestigious than say i don't know the the british grand prix or or uh I don't know, another, another Grand Prix. Abu Dhabi. Uh, yeah, here's Abu a question Dhabi for or... you. Here's a question for you. Let's say Formula E carries on growing as a class of racing massively over the next five to ten years, and they continue to go to Monaco, but we have the same calibre of racing at Monaco that they displayed a couple of weeks ago, and the Triple Crown became 
the Indy 500, the Formula E Monaco Grand Prix, and then the Le Mans um, 24 hours. I'm not even sure, like, because uh, I could be wrong here, but is the, is the Triple Crown even like an official thing, or is this something that no. is actually no, just no, like it's, it's not it's, a real it, thing? So, so who who makes that decision that that's now part of the Triple Crown? I... Me, Dave Benson. Yeah, me and Dave. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do we give like the, the the deciding vote to Ricardo Rossi or something? I I, I don't really know what happens. Yeah. I think that's a sensible idea. Yeah, him and Big Zonks are on the panel right. together, and that's it. We'll, we'll get in touch with Ricardo Rossett. We'll see what he thinks is the true triple crown of racing, and we'll get back to you as soon as we find out. Well, that's a very serious <laughs> note to end on. Um, <laughs> well, we're going to be back, of course, after the Monaco Grand Prix. Are you going to be there for that one, Sam, or not? I can't remember. I don't think I will be, folks. I'm not going to say it live just in case someone listens, but chances are I won't be there. Okay. Well, he hates Monaco that that much. (laughs) In that case, you you should definitely tune in then, (laughs) without a shadow of a doubt. Um, (laughs) Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here for this one. Folks, if my bold prediction comes true i'm gonna drive all the way from london to harry's house and i'll be part of the podcast if it doesn't enjoy these two nupties on sunday to yourself it'll be a joyful occasion i'm sure enjoy the monaco grand prix i hope it throws up an absolutely stellar race uh make sure you get back for the podcast on sunday it is always a joy we'll always be silly and we'll always be bringing you loads of popular action Check out YouTube, check out Twitter. Uh, we're here everywhere. We love it. We absolutely love the Formula 1 racing. In the meantime, I've been Sam Fosso. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been Dave Benson Phillips. <laughs> and remember, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.